Many years later, after the fact, Peter wrote of this account of being up on the mountain. We were there. We saw with our own eyes. Oh, his clothes just dazzled bright white and in his face. I mean, it blazed like the sun. I don't know how it happened, but Moses and Elijah were there too, and, and just taking in the wonder of everything. And, but then the cloud enveloped us, and, and the voice, and we just we dropped to our knees, our faces to the ground. We heard God the Father. This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Now, like I said, it was many years or much longer after the event in which Peter was able to write these events because coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Why? I mean, come on, this is the most explicit, unambiguous display of the divinity of Jesus. They got to tell the story, right? I mean, people have just seen, you know, little miracles. But this is the confirmation of the entire scriptures from Moses to the prophets. This has the Father's stamp of approval on Jesus. We've seen it. We've heard it. Jesus, we have to tell the story. It will go so far in enabling people to believe you are who you are. But Jesus shut it down. Don't tell anyone. Not yet. Why? Because this amazing story will not be heard rightly. It will not be interpreted the way it, it is meant. It, it will not be heard well. In fact, even as it played out in real time, Peter, James, and John, they, they were beside themselves. And the Peter just blurting out random statements, you know, this is good, right? How about we build something and stay, you know? And, and it was just, it was a mess. They looked and they saw, but they did not see accurately or completely. Why, why is that? Because in each and every person, we have these stories that filter and interpret what we see. It's not just Peter and James and John, but it's, it's all of us. And, and I think you'll understand when, when you see standing in front of the refrigerator uh, that it's, it's just really hard to listen to all of what God is saying when you're, when you're standing in front of the refrigerator. Okay, here's what I mean. We have these stories, right? And so you've had... This, this most wonderful um, muffin from Panera, it's a banana chocolate chip one. You know, you've cut it in half, it's too much to eat in one time, so you've put it in the fridge, top shelf. You're going to eat it tomorrow, but tomorrow you come, and it's not there. Now, you know, you know how things go in your house. This isn't magic. It didn't just, you know, magically disappear. You know what has happened. You know the story in your mind. Someone has come and, and thought that it was theirs, and they ate it. 
And so in your great wisdom, in, in the story in your mind, you yell out, who ate my muffin? The kids just kind of sink into the background. They know what's coming. It's like, wasn't me, you know. But then an, an unembodied voice from a distance in the house yells out, it's in the fridge. You're standing in front of the fridge. You know it's not in the fridge. And so you yell back in your great wisdom, it's, it's not here. It's in the fridge. And so back and forth until finally this unembodied voice arrives in the kitchen and there reaches through a few things and produces the muffin. Thanks. You know what you can see. You know what you believe because of the stories that filter and interpret your life. And so as Peter, James, and John were on the mountain, they got it wrong. They didn't see correctly. They didn't see completely. Well, how do I know that? How can I be so sure? Because our stories always come out of our mouth. And they always come out with a great amount of passion and, and judgment. See, it wasn't long after this moment that Jesus shared with his disciples that we are going to Jerusalem and there I will be handed over, betrayed, suffer much, and then die and rise again. Now, Peter, we know the story that was going in his mind. That, would, that made no sense to him because he's, he's seen the mountaintop. He's seen the miracles. He, he has his story about who Jesus is and that's not part of it. So he says, never, Lord, this will never happen. James and John were there too. Perhaps they, they heard correctly. And yet when we hear from James and John, what's the story out of their mouth? Well, they saw Jesus in his glory, and they're thinking, wouldn't it be great to be one and two, right? So let's get mom because Jesus wouldn't say no to her. And let's, let's have her ask if, if we can be one in two. Well, maybe the rest of the disciples who weren't on the mountain, maybe they got it right. And yet, they argued and argued, even up to the very last moments of the life of Jesus, of which one of them was the greatest. You see, we all have a mountaintop story of glory in our minds, in which we are the main character in which God is playing this supporting role in making sure that we're on top and we get what we want and that we succeed in life because that's what it's all about, that we're happy and that things go well for us and people speak well of us and and, and that we have a certain amount of comfort in life and ease in life. And when it's not happening and our story isn't working out, we get really angry, even at God. And we know what it is to be on our mountaintops. And we know how God better be supporting that story of glory. Unfortunately, Jesus had very little patience for the mountaintop story of Peter. And he said to him, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. That's your story, but it needs to be a different story. Maybe James and John... It was a little, little easier on them. 
But his answer was, no, you can't be one and two. Those have been prepared by my father. He's the casting agent and not you in the story. And the rest of the disciples who were arguing of who was the greatest, he sits them down. No, this is greatness. This is glory, service, and sacrifice. See, these are not just benign stories that we have in our head. There's not just, well, that's just him, you know. (laughs) Oh, that's just me, you know. No, these are not benign. These are deadly. Because the stories of glory and mountaintop that we have in our minds lead us away from God. Lead us to deny what God would have for us and in our lives. It was the mountaintop story that, that led Peter to deny Jesus that even knew him. It's the mountaintop story in James and John when Jesus asked them to watch and pray. Say, no, I, I got to take care of myself. You know, I, I, I'm a little tired here. I need to take a rest. It's the mountaintop story in you and I that turn our hearts away to follow our own stories. And so the Father speaks into our story. Listen. To Jesus. You see, there is another story that will filter and interpret what's going on on the mountaintop, and you need the hilltop story. You need what's going on on the hilltop so that you can understand what God is doing and, and there receive what He's doing and then live in what He's doing in your life. But even this story on the hilltop, it needs the Father to and the Son and the Holy Spirit to explain and to interpret. Because the hilltop is more than just the place that Jesus died for the sins of the world. The hilltop is more than the place in which you as a sinner now have a life of forgiveness. That's where Jesus died to forgive me of my sins. It's, it's not less than that, but it's, it's more. See, the problem is, if, we, if it's just that, it fits so neatly into our mountaintop stories of glory, in which, yes, yes, I am a sinner. I admit that. And, and thank heaven Jesus is here now, because now all of my efforts to do better, which I admit are, are pathetic and inadequate, all of my attempts to do what God has required me is... It's now okay because Jesus is here to fill in the gaps and provide his grace. I do my best. Jesus does the rest. Does that story sound familiar? You know, everything that you try and do for God, everything that, you know, even this morning, you know, I got went to church. Your prayers, every good thing that you tried to be as a decent human being, you know, you hope that somehow it kind of counts. But it is the hilltop story that is the most explicit, unambiguous declaration of God that everything that you try to do for Him is unacceptable. It will not be credited towards your account. The cross, the hilltop, there we only find God's judgment, his condemnation, and death 
to sinners. But listen to Jesus. There on the hilltop, you will hear him say, it is finished. Everything that is required for us sinners to be done, he has done, and the Father is well pleased. Jesus, he and he alone is the beloved. But now, in the hilltop and in his resurrection, you're in him. You're in his story. You have the story of the mountaintop and the hilltop come together, and you are part of his story. He's the main character. We are now in support of what Jesus is doing. You became part of his story in your baptism, where you died with Jesus, and you were raised with him in your resurrection, in his resurrection. You were raised with him. Your life is now in him so that it is truly said of you, you are the beloved in Christ. You are the one with whom he is well pleased because your life is in Christ. This grace, this story, the Holy Spirit takes and, and, and you live it out in your day-to-day -day life. But it's not just one story or the other. It's not just the glory. Look what God is doing for me. Nor is it just, oh, I'm a horrible person. Jesus, our lives are in you. You dwell in us by the Spirit. And in your power and in your grace, we live out these very words that are our story, in which we, by grace, love you. We serve you. We obey you. We love one another. Your hand is not raised against us as we see you on the mountaintop and the hilltop, death and resurrection. How do you live this life out but in humility of the Spirit, in listening to Jesus, hearing his voice and his word, in conversation with him in prayer, coming to his meal where the true presence of Christ is for you, with you. You are in him. Amen.